Hello. Wow, I love to be in the presence of the Lord. The presence of God is here today. I'm so excited to preach this message. It's very unlike me. I have a huge public speaking fear, uh, but I'm really, really excited to be up here tonight uh, preaching this message. Uh, so first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, Lord. God, I thank you so much for each and every person here. God, uh, for this message you've impressed upon my heart, God. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you are ready the hearts of your people to hear this message. And Lord, to put it into practice, Father. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit and your love, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, if you could turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. If you could just keep your Bibles open to chapter 12, we're going to be jumping around a little bit in, uh, in this chapter. Is everybody there? <laughs> okay, turn to verses 35, 35 and 36. Okay, we'll read it all together. Ready? One, two, three. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Amen. Uh, We just read from the ESV uh, for the people who are guests today. That's uh, the Bible that we use at JCM. If you look in the ESV, today's passage is under a section that's titled, You Must Be Ready. You Must Be Ready. And this is a story, I think, of many stories that Jesus tells his people. And he's telling his disciples here, we have to be made ready. And in verse 35, Jesus says, uh, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Uh, He's saying here, people, stay awake. Do not sleep. Okay, keep alert like you're waiting for the master of the house to return at any moment. Fight the urge to be complacent. Keep your lamps burning. He's telling his people to be prepared. If I think of this uh, passage, I kind of think about when I was younger and uh, I was supposed to be studying at my house. And my mom would say, okay, I'm going to be home around this time. And I might be watching TV watching TV and uh, playing on the internet. Uh, but as soon as I know that my, that my mom is getting ready to come home, I get ready and I get prepared, <laughs> you know? I take out my books, I pretend like I've been studying, and you know, in case she asks questions, I just, I just get myself as prepared as possible, you know? And it's, it's almost like she's my boss, right? And imagine you're a worker, and you're at your house, and your boss is about to drop by any moment. And you have this like very, very, very big project that's, you know, it's going to make it or break your job, and your job depends on it. Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> so first, I think you're going to keep your work clothes on. 
If your boss is going to come, you're going to be dressed and you're going to be ready. You're not going to change into your pajamas. You're not going to relax, you know, turn on the TV. You're going to make sure that everything for this project is ready. You know, if he comes in there, he has questions, you're going to be prepared. And you're going to keep your lights on and be ready for when he's to come. Now, if I look at this, it's springtime. And if I want to take a more romantic approach to this, then I think it's like a girl who's waiting at her house. And <laughs> she's waiting to go on a date with the guy that she really likes. Okay? So what is she going to do? You know, she's not sure when he's going to come pick her up, but she's sure that he's coming soon. You know, imagine you're this girl and you really, really like this guy. So what are you going to do? You're going to spend a lot of time in preparation. You're, you'll make sure to take a shower. You'll, you'll put on a lot of makeup. You know, do your hair. Put on a nice, cute outfit. And she will make sure that she is prepared and looking real good for her man to come pick her up. So in this same way, the people of God must be made ready. And in this passage, Jesus is saying, you have to be ready. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And his people must be expectant. And we always have to be waiting for the return of Jesus, prepared and dressed for action. You know, Jesus is coming back for a bride that is spotless and unblemished. And are you ready for this? Uh, so these days, uh, when I'm praying, and I pray for soul, and I pray for this city, I get so stirred up and so excited. You know, we're on a brink of a mighty revival, a big whew, move of God. He's going to pour out his spirit. And I pray, and I get, I get so excited praying about this and thinking about the work that's about to come. Man, revival is coming soon, brothers and sisters. And, you know, we've been talking about the Niagara anointing coming and for the Holy Spirit to come in power and to equip his children. And I don't know about you, but I think about this and I just get, ooh, I get so excited. And I'm like, oh, it's amazing. And I'm filled with so much thanksgiving. And, you know, at this hour, God's called each and every person here to be at soul, like right before this big move of God is coming. And I think about this, and I just, ooh, I get so excited. And, you know, when people think of revival, you know, including myself, uh, they think of all the good things. You know, oh, there's going to be mass salvation. There's going to be signs and wonders. You know, people being healed, set free, and all these good things that come with the revival. But do we think about uh, the not-so-good things that come with revival? You know, do we think about... Uh, the difficult things that are going to come with revival as well. Uh, so if you take a look back at Luke chapter 12, this time we'll be looking at verses 49 to 52. I'll just read it. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that, would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. 
Now, you know, with every great move of God, Satan's going to try and attack his people in every way possible to try to pull them down and oppose uh, the good things that God is doing. And he's going to try with everything in his power to slow you down, to discourage God's people and get them off track. And will you be ready to take the difficult things on along with the good? You know, when revival hits soul, will you be ready? Will you be ready when people persecute you or when they slander you? Are you going to be ready to bless them and not curse? You know, are you going to be able to hold fast to the Lord and declare that he is always good? He is always good no matter the circumstances. Will you be ready? So the title of my message today is called Made Ready. So how can we be made ready? How can we be ready to take on the forces of evil uh, along with the revival that is coming in Seoul? So the first way, if you're taking notes, uh, that you will be made ready is by reading the word of God. By reading the word of God. Now, by reading the word of God, you will be able to fight against all lies of the enemy. Uh, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And all scripture is God-breathed. And the Bible is 100% truth. And it's by reading this and by meditating on it and uh, memorizing it that that's when this truth uh, will really set in your spirit and your faith and your identity, identity will grow. Now, God uses his word to encourage his people. But on the other hand, Satan will use lies to discourage and try to shake you up. And I know for me and a lot of my friends, our biggest battlefield for us is our mind. It's our mind. And the enemy, he's called the father of lies. And it's his goal to make you believe in all these lies. Because once he's done that, he'll just invade your thought life. He'll just try to do all these things to make you believe these lies so that he can defeat you and, and take you down. You might think of some times where, you know, you've been going through difficult things. He'll try to maybe get you to entertain thoughts or uh, some images or voices and information. And he basically, Satan wants to keep your mind uh, habitually tuned into his lies so that although it starts off as like an entertaining thought, it starts to get a hold and a grip on your life. So we have to be grounded in the word of God. We got to read it, meditate on it, memorize it. We got to get that word in our spirits so that when these lies come, we can use it to fight against the lies of the enemy and to hold on to that truth. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double, sorry, any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Now, just as a house is divided, it cannot stand. A mind divided will not stand either. Um, in James 1, 6, 8, it says uh, in the ESV, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And without that firm foundation of the word to really hold on to in all our times of trouble, we're going to be just like this double-minded man who's unstable and being tossed and turned by the waves and the wind. 
Now, the Amplified Bible says it a little bit differently. Uh, James uh, 1.8. It says, he's sta- uh, unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything that he thinks, feels, and decides. Now, this is exactly what the devil wants from you. It's to be, for you to be unstable, unreliable, and uncertain about everything that you think. Because once you're unstable and doubting the Lord, there's no room for faith to grow. And, uh, yes. <laughs> so this is why, uh, Christians, we have to read the word. You know, once you start reading the word, it's going to transform your mind. It's going to, uh, get you tuned into how God sees you. If God sees us as ministers, as priests, as co-heirs with Christ more than conquerors and seated in the heavenlies. And we will only know this when we read the word and really get that into our spirits. Now, once you clothe yourself with this identity and this truth, then you will be able to use it to lie. I'm sorry, to fight the lies of the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) And when persecution and suffering come, along with this revival in soul, the word is going to be the truth that strengthens and encourages you. Uh, Matthew 5, 10 10 to 12 says, uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, when these troubled times come and the persecution comes, you're going to hold fast onto this first and just really meditate on this. And, and think about this. You know, when you read this, the word will give you a kingdom perspective on things. You know? Um, the devil might say, man, look at all this stuff that you're going through right now. I mean, how, why would God, a good God, let you suffer like this? Isn't he a giver of God and uh, good and perfect gifts? Isn't that why he's letting you go through all this turmoil? And when the devil lies like this to you, instead... You cut through that lie with the sword of the spirit, with your offensive weapon. And instead of getting depressed and sad for the persecution, uh, you will rejoice and be glad. Now, why? Why would we do that? Why would we rejoice and be glad when we're going through all these times of suffering? You know, I would just try to imagine all my rewards in heaven. You know, my big house and a huge diamond ring. Now hold on to that verse. Blessed are you when others persecute you. So I will believe in the truth of the Bible in this word. <laughs> diamond ring. Um, another thing that's going to happen to you when you read the word of God is that uh, you will gain a healthy fear of the Lord. And in Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, I think about the fear of the Lord, I used to get a little bit confused. You know, you think about this big, scary God and being scared of him. But, you know, that's not not what uh, the fear of the Lord is. Uh, The fear of the Lord is to honor and value and respect God and just have a reverence of him above anything or anybody else. It's putting him first. It's, it's to love what he loves and hates what he hates. You know, what's important to God becomes important to us. 
And what's not important to God is not important to us. And when we fear him, we will tremble at his word. You know, we, we're going to obey, even when it doesn't make sense, when it hurts us, and when we don't see the benefits, we will see it to completion. This is having the fear of the Lord. And I look at a lot of my friends back home in Maryland. I, I think about my college years, uh, my later high school years, and I just see that this is the element that so many Christians today are missing. Like, they do not have a fear of the Lord. You know, we grow up in the church, and we get so used to thinking, oh, Christ loves us. God loves us. You know, there's grace, and grace covers everything. And sure, you know, his grace does cover us, and his grace is good. But a lot of the time, some of us might use that as an excuse uh, to live unholy lives and live in sin. You know, uh... I can just remember myself, like, back in high school and college, like, with this mentality, like, oh, I sinned again, Lord, but, oh, I'll just ask for forgiveness, and it'll be wiped away. And I can start again. And this just causes a whole bunch of Christians to live lives of debauchery and just completely drenched in sin because they're lacking this crucial element of having a fear of the Lord. Now, if we had this good foundation of a fear, we wouldn't backslide. You know, if we had the fear of the Lord and it was firmly in our hearts, we wouldn't slip in our devotion for Jesus. You know, we wouldn't take his word for granted or treat it casually. You know how sometimes you read through the Bible and you kind of pick and choose what, you know, you want to obey. Like here, okay, I'll do this and I'll do that. But we don't take the whole word as an account of 100% truth and this is what we have to do, you know? We have to keep uh, this healthy fear of God, and this causes us uh, not to flirt with sin. Now, a personal example with me was um, a long, I had this long, long time of backsliding ever since maybe high school to about college and coming to Korea. It's maybe about, uh, you know, seven years of just rebellion from the Lord, and Ever since I was young, I kept diaries, so um, they're all stacked up in my house right now, and there will be times where I, f- I feel like, oh, I want to see how I was in, in, you know, in my dark days. <laughs> and so uh, one time I actually was reading my journal, and I couldn't stop screaming. And my roommate Lisa was in the other room and had no idea what was going on, but I was just so appalled at the things that I wrote in my diary and just how dark of a life that I was living. And uh, when I think back and I think about my kind of, you know, that turnaround point in my life, and I realized that it was the fear of God that really had this happen. And so um, it was, uh, I think, yeah, it was back in 2006 uh, you know, at the JSCM retreat, for some of you old members, and Pastor James, he came in and preached the fire, the fire of God, and just that was like the breaking point when God started to really pour out his spirit on JSCM, and that was my first, like, real encounter with the Lord, you know, my born-again experience, and after that time had left, um, after the retreat had finished, I actually left right away for America. It was uh, the first time I was visiting back to the States. And I was sitting in the plane ride back to Maryland, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get it off me. 
like I couldn't get that fear of the Lord off me. And I was like, man, I am living this backslidden life, just going out and partying all the time. And I was like, at that time, I was like casually dating this guy. And I just was filled with fear in the sense where I was like, I have to change this. I have to like give it up. And so, I mean, mind you, I did fall a couple times. <laughs> but it was that point that I looked back that, wow, it's the fear of God that really brought me back to him. Um, yes, uh, in Jeremiah 32, 38 to 40, it says, They shall be my people, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from doing them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts, so they will not depart from me. It's this fear, this fear of the Lord, that's going to keep us steadfast. In, in times of trouble, in times of trials and suffering and persecution, we're not going to be tempted to give up on God. And instead, we'll really hold fast to him and hold fast to his promises and his word. Now, if you take a look at King David, and this is a man that loved the word of God. He's really obsessed with it. Now, if you look in Psalm 119, can everyone turn to Psalm 119? You can tell by reading this chapter that he is just in love and seriously obsessed with the word of God and the laws of God. And there's a whole bunch of verses uh, in this chapter that show this. I'm just going to read a couple. Uh, King David says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Man, King David, he's just in love with the word of God. And you can tell that he fears the Lord. You know, when King David was going through all that tough times with King Saul, and King Saul was just putting him through a terrible, terrible season in his life, you know, where he just gets angry and he throws that spear at his head and tries to kill him so many times. And because of King Saul, uh, David's just on the run through much of his life. Now, King David, he had the opportunity to kill Saul a couple of times, and, but he feared the Lord way too much to do it. And he knew that at the time, Saul was the Lord's anointed and he would never lift his hand against him. Uh, John Bevere uh, says it like this, Those who fear the Lord are truly humble, and the truly humble fear the Lord. And it's this fear of the Lord that's going to make you detest and hate pride. It's going to keep you like 100% dependent on him. For God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. It's the now, it's the truth of God and the fear of the Lord that's really going to renew your mind and get you ready. And it's going to get you ready for this coming revival and the tough times that may come along with it. Now, the second way, the second way to be made ready is to seek his will daily. To seek his will every day. Uh, Luke 9.23 says, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This means every day you deny the control of your life. And you ask God, Lord, take control. Take control of this day. And this means that you die to your will and you ask God, God, what is your will for my life? And this means you die to your flesh, your selfish desires, and instead you seek God's desires for your life. Uh, Psalm 90.12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Every day needs careful planning. You know, um, I feel like, you know, sometimes we get caught up in this, like, our life vision. And Lord, what is it that you want for my life to do for your kingdom? But when it comes down to it, you know, you, you carefully, you plan the days out, and you seek God's will for your life daily, that's going to take care of itself, you know? Uh, C.S. Lewis says, don't be too easily convinced that God really wants you to do all sorts of work you needn't do. Each must do his duty in the state of life which God has called him. And I find the mistake sometimes of uh, not taking that time in the morning. You know, I'm not really a morning person. Like, I love being up late at night and getting up early. It's really hard for me to meet with the Lord and, and pray and read the word. And I used to use that as an excuse a lot. You know, Lord, I'm a night person. I'm just going to pray and read your word then. But I see if I'm not taking that time to meet with the Lord in the morning, then how am I going to know his will for the rest of the day? You know, we have to take that time in the morning and really seek him, read his word and pray and ask God, Lord, what is it that uh, you want me to do today? Um, I feel like busyness Busyness tends to crowd a lot of your schedules, and uh, you feel like, oh, the more you have on your plate, the more you feel tired, uh, the more you feel overworked, that in that way you feel, oh, okay, I must be doing God's, uh, God's will for my life. You know, you feel like, oh, I'm getting all these things done, and uh, I'm really just trying to seek the Lord in this way. But, you know, God gives us each, all 24 hours of a day, no one has an advantage. It's not like I have more time than you. It's he gives 24 hours to each and every person. And he gives us all the things that we need and all the things that he equips us. I'm sorry. He equips us with all the things that we need daily uh, to pursue his will for that day. And so secondly, make sure to seek his will daily, not only through reading the Bible, but also in prayer also in prayer. Now the third way uh, that we can be made ready is to pray. <laughs> is to pray. Now I feel like uh, you know, as we pray and as we seek the Lord uh, for a lot of guidance and a lot of things in our lives, God will start to impress things upon your heart and he will start to get you to pray these prayers that you never even thought about. And it's, it's just, it's through praying and really seeking God's face that he starts to give you the desires of your heart. And so, like I said in the beginning, I have a very, 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 very big public speaking fear. <laughs> and, uh, 
in back in September in 2000 last year back in September I just started praying um, I felt uh, just revival in Maryland and revival for my friends and my family back in Maryland is what I, I really felt strongly impressed upon my heart now as I just started praying for revival a couple weeks later my prayers started to change and it started to be Lord I want to preach back at uh, my home church which is a very conservative Presbyterian uh, church and I just started praying these prayers and I was like why why is this coming out of my mouth <laughs> this doesn't make any sense one I have a huge public speaking fear. Two, I've never preached before. And three, uh, my home church is very, very conservative. Like, they wouldn't let someone without a seminary degree, like, without some kind of connections, uh, preach or speak at the church. And so I was like, okay, well, whatever. So, and I just kept praying, you know? I was like, it's not, I like to pray. <laughs> it's, it's not the hard part of praying for me. It's actually, moving that into action. And so as I just kept starting to pray and pray and pray, uh, JCM had a, a preaching seminar, and uh, Pastor Christian sent out an email to people that he thought should take it. And so he, I got an email, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and immediately I just was filled with fear and filled with terror. And so as, you know, we started doing the preaching seminar, I was like, okay, whatever, you know, this isn't so bad. And so, well, it was bad, not that. But, you know, still I hadn't had a chance to preach yet. And I was like, man, why am I praying these prayers? It just doesn't make any sense. And so one day, Pastor Christian's like, hey, uh, <laughs> you want to preach a Friday fire? <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. <laughs> because one, I know that, you know, God doesn't need me to do his will. He can choose anybody else. But am I going to be courageous and bold enough to take that step of faith and and take up on his offer? And so that's why I started to preach in January and February, and now it's my last time. And uh, I tell people I'm really happy because I am, because it's really hard uh, for me to be up here. And my legs are very rubbery right now. <laughs> And a lot of the times I shake and I'm really nervous, but I just really hold on to what God brought to me in prayer and how he's the one that stirred up in my heart uh, to preach the good news, uh, you know, to give my testimony and be unashamed of what God has done in my life. And so that is what I'm holding on to. And I'm really excited, by the way. Um, I'm leaving for Maryland in April, end of April. And so, Yeah. I'm very, very excited. Um, so yes, just to conclude, uh, the three ways uh, that we can be made ready is first is to read the Word of God. Memorize that Word. Get it into your spirit. You are more than a conqueror. You know, He uses all things for our good. Even things that you mess up on, you know, He uses all for, <laughs> for our good. The second way is to seek Him daily. Seek him every day. Every day pray. Every day read your word. Sunday school answer. But really, this is what we need to do. And third is to pray. And by doing these things, we're going to be made ready uh, for the tough times that are to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much, God. Father, for your spirit is here. 
And you are strengthening your people, God, through your truth and your word, Lord. God, I just pray for a a desire uh, to really pray and intercede, Lord, uh, for this city and this country, God. Oh, Lord, uh, to really pay attention to the things that you put upon our hearts, Lord. For, God, it is you who is putting that desire in our hearts, So, God, I just pray, Father, that we'll really every day come to seek your face and put to death our flesh and our selfish desires, Lord. Instead, pick up your cross and ask, God, what it is that you want us to do daily, Lord. Father, I'm just so thankful and so excited. I look forward to the mighty work, God, that you have planned for this city. And you're going to equip your people, Lord, to just go out to the nations and be your hands and your feet, God. Lord, we thank you so much. You don't need to use us, Lord. But, God, you choose to use us. So, Father, we pray that let that never become a burden on our hearts. But, God, let it be a pure joy, Lord, that you choose us, God, to do your will on this earth. Father, we thank you so much. God, ready your people, Lord. God, ready your people for this mighty work that you have planned, Lord. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.